The following sermon is by Kenny Jones, Associate Pastor of Capital Community Church located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Capital Community Church is a people awakened to a holy God. If you are searching for a new church home, are from out of town looking for a church to worship with, or simply seeking for answers, please join us for worship at 9 o'clock a.m. every Sunday morning. If you have any questions, please email us at info at We pray this sermon will help you grow deeper in your walk with Jesus Christ. First of all, I just want to say it's good to be back with y'all. We've been out for, I've been out for a couple of weeks. I want to say thanks to Jim Briggs for filling in for me as Catherine and I were out of town visiting some family and Jim walked us through Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 of the Lord's command of do not take his name in vain. As I was watching it alongside with Jim, it's amazing how easy it is to profane the name of God, isn't it, Jim? When you really dig deep into that text um, and how the Lord really does want us to hold his name high and lift it up, as it says. But tonight, we're going to be looking at the fourth commandment, which is in Exodus chapter 28 through 11. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask if you will go ahead and flip over to Exodus chapter 20. And tonight, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11 and the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20. If you will, listen along with me in God's word, and then we'll get started. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start our time together. Bow your heads with me in prayer. Eternal Lord, we are grateful for tonight. And Lord, what a beautiful day, that again, that you have made, Lord, as we are being able to bask in this fall, a little bit of cooler weather that we're having Lord, thank you for ordaining all time and all seasons, Lord, that are created from your hand, and Lord, that we are able to enjoy them. And Lord, thank you for the grace and the mercy you've extended to us tonight as we study your word together and as we continue to see, Lord, how the Ten Commandments are applicable today. Uh, So Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Christ's good name. Amen. You know, when you think about the fourth commandment and the Sabbath day, I don't know about you, but I can remember days on Sunday where everything was closed. Um, you know, I grew up in Newburn, a lot of you know, and really a majority of the businesses when I was growing up really were closed on Sunday. In fact, I was recalling when I was studying for this text that my grandmother, my mom's mom, lived in the county over in Pamico County, which was much rural than Craven County. And I can remember that when we would go visit her on Sunday, if you, my parents would stop and, like, get gas before they would go over the, on the county line because there was a good, pretty much a good chance nothing in Pamlico County was going to be open on Sunday, really. And I can remember a couple, there was a, like, either a food line or something like that on the Craven County Pamlico line that basically you could stop and get what you needed to be able to cook supper with my grandmother and to be able to visit. That's how it was closed down there. And, you know, when you think about even an example like that, and I know that you can probably think about it as well, that they're closed for a reason, right? 
when you really think about the nuts and bolts of it, you think about how transactions really stopped. Business stopped, didn't it? You know, that business owner had to make a choice decision in his mind and within his heart to say, you know what, I'm not going to close, right? And I can remember the scandalous day when Charlie's Restaurant opened up in Babera on Sunday. I do remember that. And it was funny, it opened up between 11 and 1, and then it closed down the rest of the day, which is kind of ironic. Um, but anyway, but I do remember when that was the big talk in my, <laughs> in my grandmother's town, when that one restaurant opened. But, you know, when we, like I said, when we think about the Sabbath day, and like I said, when you think about the ramifications of business being closed, there's a reason behind it, isn't it? Right? To, to go to your favorite restaurant or business and to realize that the doors are going to be closed, the lights are off, employees are not going to be there. There has to be a choice decision, right? A, a, a decision that very much is going to affect the business owner, but also the public to some degree or another, right? If you really begin to think about it. But the reason why, you know, when you look at Sunday being the day where businesses were closed and even days like I recalled when I was younger, you know, where, where my grandmother was from, you know, there, there was a significance about Sunday, right? There really was. And there are, of course, businesses today that are here in Raleigh that are closed because they are honoring the Sunday, honoring Sunday, honoring the Sabbath day. And when you think about for a second what we are supposed to do on Sunday, sadly, American culture and where we have been going in the West, you know, Sunday is just a normal every other day, isn't it? When you really begin to think about, you know, just the the, 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 the ramifications of what not having one day out of the week to stop and to rest really shows, right? Grant and I were talking to a pastor a couple of months ago, and he was saying that, you know, it's interesting, even in um, the Southeast, right, he, he was telling, that, that, telling us that he is seeing that, you know, the golden hour, excuse me, the golden hours of Sunday between 9 and 11, where everything was at least closed in the morning, is now being, you know, you know, open back up, so to speak, right? Not necessarily a bad thing to some degree or another, but you are seeing this, you know, drive away from really setting a day apart for the Lord. And that's exactly what we see here in the fourth commandment. I have in your outline, you can see there in the very beginning, I, um, I underlined it for you. The fourth commandment teaches us to honor the Sabbath day. And so we're going to look at three points to help us understand why we are called to honor the Sabbath. Because in order for us to understand the Sabbath day, we need to look at really the, the what and the how and the why. And then I really should have put the fourth point. And the fourth point is we're going to see how we as Christians on this side of the cross, right through the gospel, how Jesus' death and resurrection transformed the Sabbath day. I really should have put four points here, but we'll look at it all together nonetheless. But in your outline, you should see number one there. What does God want us to do on the Sabbath? What does God want us to do on the Sabbath? You know, in order for us to understand the Sabbath day, we need to look, as you see in your outline, first we need to understand time. We need to understand time first. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see that God created the world in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And when you look at Exodus chapter 20, you see, you see in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. Right, you see, even in verse eleven, the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Right, that word in the Hebrew, as you can see under one a, the Hebrew for day means a whole day. And I gave you an example there, i.e., morning to evening, sun up to sundown. That's what the Hebrew word shows us there here in Exodus twenty. And in fact, 
The same word we see here in 20 is the same word we also see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 when God you know, created this, the world in six days, the first day, the second day, the third day, and so forth. And that's what we see here within Scripture. But we need to see that when God created these days, he's also giving us order, isn't he? Right? From his created order, we see that the earth is going to turn like a rotisserie chicken, right? Every day, we are going to see morning and evening, right? And it's not going to stop because God ordained that. But we can see even within a 24-hour period, that establishes order, right? Think about it. Today is Sunday. You are going to prepare for Monday. And a lot of you are preparing for 10 Mondays from now, right? But the order is set within your mind that there are seven days within a week, if that makes sense. But then we see also within the Old Testament, later in, especially when God has given the law, that God is continuing to establish other times and seasons and well. Now, you may remember even within Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that remember the writer says there's, there's a season for everything. It's a season to cry, season to mourn, season to jo- for joy and blessing, right? So you can see from the scripture that God is ordaining time and seasons for a reason, right? And that allows us to see the significance as well of the Sabbath day. But we also have to remember this, and <clears throat> that when we think of God establishing time we also need to understand that we are not on God's timetable as well, right? Psalm 90 verse 4 says that, For a thousand years are in your sight, are but as a yesterday when it is past, or as the watch in the night. So we have to understand that God does not have a watch like I do and says, Okay, it's the 24th of October, right? A day is just a thousand years is but a day for him, right? As the psalmist says. And so for, in order for us to understand the what, this is in your outline under B. It's to cease from work. To cease from work, it must start with remembering. It has to start with remembering. That's what we see in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. This allows us to understand the significance of to honor of why we honor this seventh day. You know, when you think of the idea of remembrance, it really is a twofold understanding here. Number one, as I say in your outline, the Israelites were called to remember their deliverance from Egypt. Their deliverance from Egypt. You know, you remember when we were doing the survey of Exodus. Remember I told you that we we're going to constantly be going back to the prologue. And the prologue is in Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 and 2. And you remember this is what God says in just a few verses above the fourth commandment. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the beginning of the Ten Commandments. So that's what Israel is supposed to remember. They were once slaves, and now they were free. But then, the second piece we have to understand is this. This is in your outline. To remember is also a call to act. That's in 2B there. To remember is also called to act. Remembering involves so much more than memories. It does, doesn't it? And that's what God is requiring here. Remembering involves so much more than memories because it actually, if you were going to rest, it's going to require your mind as well as your heart and your body to be able to cease from work, right? And that is what's required for Israel, to cease from work. You know, when you look at the under the uh, Mosaic law, even when you go in deeper within Exodus, you know, in Exodus chapter 35, you know, if you were to work on the Sabbath day, 
it was punishable by death, depending on what you were doing. Isn't that amazing to think about? You could be put to death if you worked on the Sabbath day. So you would think, if I don't want to die, I'm going to remember not, I'm just going to put my, you know, sit here in my little tent, right? And I'm not going to do any work because I don't want to die. But that just shows you the ramifications of why God's people were called to remember the Sabbath day which would help them also to realize the severity of what it means to rest as well, which again goes back to this idea of remembering the Lord. You can see there, I put in your outline, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, and it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as to the Lord your God. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You notice a couple of key words there again? Observe and remember. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, right? So to remember is to act. Again, which naturally leads us to number two. Number two is this. How are we to honor the Sabbath? How are we to honor the Sabbath day? Let's continue to walk through verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Again, I want to stop there at the Sabbath day there. What does Sabbath mean? In the Hebrew, it says, and you can write this down, to cease from work or rest from work. That's what it means in the Hebrew, to cease from work or from rest from work. And where do we get that? Again, we go back to the creation account. We go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, and it says, and you have it in your outline, on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we can see there from Scripture that God puts this pattern in here for us to rest, which allows us to see the how, right? How are we supposed to honor? We are called to rest. Six days God created the world, and then on the seventh day, he stopped from creating. Now, did that mean things began to fall apart? No. Of course, you know God's providential care was still at work. But what we see here is the precedence and the example that from God himself, from Yahweh himself, he rested on the seventh day. Which allows us to understand this. If we are called to rest, we also have to answer the question that we have to work, don't we? It's a natural thought process to go, well, if we're called to rest, what are we supposed to rest from? From work, right? Which, and that's in your outline as well, under B, if we are to rest, that means we are called to work. Now, I'll just take a second here, and just to be able to dig deep into our, which is to be here, it is our duty to work. And we see that again from the creation account, right? In order for rest, we have to understand that we are resting from work like Sabbath means. Now, I know that's very elementary to think about, but that's, it's good to have, you know, repetition is good for the soul. And even those elementary principles allow us to dig deep and allow it to see the precedence of what the Sabbath day means. Because when we understand from the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, when God created Adam and Eve, they were called to cultivate the land, weren't they? They were called to work. And we can see that precedence from all of Scripture, right? That men and women were called to work, right? And so we can see there, and I put that on your outline, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even as we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, 
let him not eat. Let him not eat. So we see the precedence that God is wanting us to work. But again, we have to understand this. So often we can have a negative view of work, don't we? Right? We can think about when we when you think about waking up tomorrow morning, you probably you know you probably have some that you know you, as you're getting the crust out of your eyes, you think, man, this is the last thing in earth I want to do is go to work, right? No matter what your occupation is, right? Whether you're a teacher, the medical field, homemaker, whatever it is, right? You probably think that's the last thing I want to do is I, I want to go you know go to work, right? But not everybody can be the best employee like I am, and so that was a joke. Right. Supposed to laugh. I heard a couple. Um, <laughs> Grant would be like, "All right, I'm writing this down." Right. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway. But the reality is this: we can see that from this idea of resting from work, there is very much a clear temptation that we can make an idol out of work, can't we? Right? Especially as men, if we're really being honest, right? We are supposed to be the leaders of the home, right? We are supposed to care and we are supposed to be able to provide, right? And that sense of nature can very much drive within our hearts too much. But though the, I say that to the man, that can also be for the woman as well, right? No matter what your occupation is. But we have to understand this that even though there's a real temptation to be able to work at all hours of the day and, on, and, all, and seven days a week, we have to understand, this is in your outline, I didn't put any um, blanks for you to fill out, but this is under 2C, that God governs our work as well as our rest, and God has given us six whole days to work, and one day is to be set aside and to rest and to worship, to rest and to worship. Six days God is wanting us to work, which means we can do an honest week of work, and when you think about the seventh day, it's a gift, isn't it? that God is wanting us to rest. That's an amazing gift from God, whether we realize it or not. That doesn't mean that we are to sleep all day, right? But it does mean that we are called to rest from our work. This is the how, right? But again, I say this to myself, I say this to all of us and those for watching online. We have to watch the temptation of what work can do to us, especially here in the American culture in the West where we have the mentality of to pull our bootstraps up, right? To work as hard as we can, to drive as hard as we can, right? And thanks to Mr. Ford and Mr. Edison, right? You know, we can work at all hours of the night, can't we, right? We can, uh, we can stay up all night and work, right? And so we have to be watchful for that. We don't want to create an idol of work when we see clearly from Scripture that God is wanting us to rest, which leads us to number three, which is why we honor the Sabbath. Why do we honor the Sabbath? So we honor the Sabbath because God, keyword here, blessed it and made the Sabbath holy. This is 3A. God blessed and made it holy. Two times you've seen this commandment, the word holy. And the Hebrew, I put it in, in here, holy means to set apart to set apart. So if this day is to be set apart, it means six days we work, and then the rest of the time, on that seventh, we are called to sit and rest and as well as and to worship. Philip Ryken, I put this quote in here for you. He says this, how do we keep the fourth commandment? By worshiping the Lord on his day. To keep something holy in the biblical sense is to dedicate it exclusively for worship. 
Now, I want to stop here for a second. You know, we say holy so often here in the church, and even the church globally, right? And we sometimes can th- and cannot think about the significance of what truly something holy is. When you think about something being set apart, I always think about my fifth grade Sunday school teacher, Kevin Beck, doing the example with he and his wife, where he would stand on a chair in our classroom, and then Mrs. Judy would stand on the other side. And he would make the example of, I'm set apart. I'm the only one standing on this chair, right? I'm towering over you, right? I'm louder than you. And everybody else is sitting or standing on a normal level. But he gave the example of he is set apart. It's something different. And this is what this seventh day is all about. It really is supposed to be set apart for a reason. So I pray that you're seeing the flow here because this Sabbath, like it says here in the fourth commandment, is to the Lord our God, as it says in verse 10. Even in Leviticus 19.3, it says, You shall keep my Sabbaths, for I am the Lord your God. So the command that we see from Scripture is clear. Since God blessed it and made it holy, we are to, to rest. And the significance of keeping it holy should help us to understand why we are called to do it. Because as it says in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, it truly is a holy convocation, right? Now, I don't want us to go down that legalistic mind frame, and we'll talk about a little bit of that here in a second. But we have to understand, even in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, when we see keeping the Sabbath day as a holy convocation, you realize the trajectory that God is going, don't you? This day is set apart and holy and blessed because of him. To the Lord, that God says. That's why it's holy. This day is, for, is to be to him, to rest in him, to worship him. That's the significance we see. That's why it's holy, and that's why it's blessed. And again, we go back to the creation account in Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, God blessed it, and he made it that way, Right? to signify, again, in the creation account, completion, right, order. But even here, we see, and we'll get to a little bit on this as we can look at it further in our outline, but we see that through God alone, right, through the significance of him calling it holy and to be set apart allows us to see that it's the whole day is to be for him. That's the trajectory that we see here in this fourth commandment. This day is to be for the Lord. We can see, and I put it in your outline, the Heidelberg Catechism, which a catechism, again, is theology explained in the form of questions and answers. But you can see here in question 103, it says, what does God require in the fourth commandment? Answer, first, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings to the poor. To keep the Sabbath holy, as it says in 2C, or 3C, excuse me. To keep the Sabbath holy, we worship and rest. You notice from that catechism, does that sound familiar? Sounds like a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Right? To listen to the gospel, right? Attend church, to partake in the Lord's Supper, to call upon the Lord publicly, which is this uh, preaching of God's Word, the public, the public reading of God's Word, singing, and to give Christian offerings to the poor. That's what we have to understand here. It is to worship and to rest. 
And we had this idea, and we'll get into worship here a lot in a deeper here in a second. But when we see to keep the Sabbath holy and we worship and we rest, to see, as you can see here, when we rest, it affects the wider community. And where am I getting this from? You can see in verse 10, it says, And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. It affects the wider community. That's what it's, we have here. When we rest, it affects the wider community. It's contagious. It's going to have an effect, right? Think about my example that we talked about in the introduction about the business owner. If the business owner closes, that means the employees are not going to be there, right? It's a very clear example and a straight line one for us to understand. So which is why we need to see, since the day is blessed and holy, which is why we need to take it serious within our hearts and within our bodies and within our minds to honor it. Thomas Watson, who was a Puritan back in the 1500s, said this. This is a pretty strong quote, and I'm going to expound on it a little further, but it says this. To do work on the Sabbath shows a heart that is against the Lord. It greatly offends God. To do secular work on this day is to follow the devil's plow. It is to debase the soul. God made this day on purpose to raise the heart to heaven, to converse with him, to do the angel's work, and to be employed in earthly work is to degrade the soul of its honor. And that's a pretty stark word, isn't it? If you really think about it. It's a really strong word from a Puritan writer back in the 1500s. But we have to understand the significance of why God wants us to rest, why he wants us to worship, which leads us to the further, the second half of our outline here. So when you think about even that quote from Thomas Watson, and you think about the how and the what and the why, then we realize this. Sunday, as it says in your outline, is the Lord's Day. What about me, Kenny? What about the Christian? What about on this side of the cross, right? These are good questions to ask. This, is like, this, this should have been our fourth point. Sunday is the Lord's Day, right? In the great hymn, In Christ Alone, there's a couple of verses as I was studying for this text that stood out to me that help us to see the significance of why Sunday is the Lord's Day and how we, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, see it totally different now. It says in here that the wrath of God was satisfied. Here in the death of Christ I live, it says, for I am his and he is mine, brought with the precious blood of Christ. Now I give you those few verses there because I want to stand those out because it's through Christ alone that the Sabbath has been, this is under Sunday as the Lord's Day, that the Sabbath has been transformed. The Sabbath has been transformed all because of Christ. When you look at the Jewish Sabbath, which was on Saturday, that was pointing to the rest to come. But when you see, and it's a good question to ask, why do we come on Sunday to worship? Why is Sunday still the day we come here here at Capitol in many churches across the globe? Why do we still come here on Sunday? It's all because the apostles celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. We again, we see that, <clears throat> and that's in B there. The apostles celebrated Jesus' resurrection and worship on the first day of the week, Sunday. We see that in John chapter 20. 
We see it in Acts chapter 20. We even see it in 1 Corinthians. That because of the resurrection, the Lord coming back to life on the third day, now we move to Sunday, the first day of the week. Ignatius, who was an early church father, I put this quote in here in your outline. It says this, No longer observe the Sabbath, but direct our lives toward the Lord's day, on which our life is refreshed by him and by his death. Isn't that a great quote there? To realize the significance of how the gospel transformed the Sabbath. B.B. Warfield explained the fourth commandment like this. Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morn. That's why we celebrate as Christians Sunday as a Lord's day. And so, which is why, y'all think we'll get a kick out of this. That's which is why I don't do yard work on Sunday. Catherine's like, what happened to the other six days a week? Um, but no, but you think about Sunday. I can remember growing up that you just didn't do yard work on Sunday. That was a big no-no. And I joke, and, I, and we all get a good laugh out of that, but I can remember a, a funny little joke for you. I can remember <laughs> that you know I'd be mowing grass as a guy, and I can remember my dad, it'd be sunset in the middle of the summer. And I can remember mowing grass with a flashlight almost right? Cutting it out on Saturday night because I was not going to do yard work on Sunday, right? That's just kind of the precedence my, my, my own father set for us. Um, you know, and let, anyway, but it's, it's just interesting to think about those days, even like I said in my introduction, how Sunday, all because of the gospel is transformed, right? And I give you that example, like I said earlier, that when the Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday pointing to the rest to come, it's because through Christ alone, our rest is here, isn't it? Our rest is here, right? So which helps us to see the significance of Sunday? Which again, as it says in, under in C, this is why the Sabbath is a, the word there, is a gift for man. And where am I getting that? Mark chapter 2, verses 27 through 28. The context here is the disciples are, you remember, plucking grain from the field, right? And they're eating, right? And the Pharisees are attacking Jesus and his disciples, saying you can't do that. There is a law that, that says you cannot do that. And then Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It is through Jesus that he restores the Sabbath. Now, you remember when I said just a second ago that you could be stoned for doing work on the Sabbath? The laws that the Jewish Pharisees and the scribes had put on the people were just, and another word of saying it, were burdens on the people, right? There was even a law in the Shema that would say that if a wall fell on a person, you could clear just enough rubble to make sure they were okay, but you had to leave them there hurting until the Sabbath was over. Isn't that crazy to think about? That you couldn't help a brother or sister if a wall had fallen over them? You can't help them. Just clear enough to, <laughs> to get their head out, which kind of reminds me of even parenting. Though I don't leave my children there if they're hurt till the next day. But, um, but, <laughs> but anyway, but, but think about the significance of even that. But when we go back to Mark chapter 2, and we see what Jesus says, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We have to realize that the Sabbath is a gift. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. He's going back to Exodus chapter 20, but he's also going back to the creation account. And again, this goes back to the idea of remembering, thinking how even the Pharisees would know this. Their ancestors were slaves in Egypt. But what Jesus is wanting us to see more than anything is that now people were slaves to sin. And he is here, and that's why he is Lord of the Sabbath, and that's why he is saying it's okay for the disciples to pluck grain and to eat. Because even Jesus knows in the Old Testament law, if you are poor and in need, you can pluck grain, right? And where is a prime example of that in the Old Testament? The book of Ruth. That's what Ruth does. Remember? She goes to Boaz's fields and plucks grain, or she gleans, remember, for to, to be able to survive, to be able to eat. And right? And she it's okay, right? Boaz even says to these other workers, don't harm her, right? And there's other people in his fields doing the same thing that Ruth is doing. But when we look at Mark chapter 2, we have to understand the clear example from Scripture that when Jesus says that he is Lord of, Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, again, this goes back to the idea of Jesus is transforming everything and he is calling eternal soul rest, heart rest in him, which allows us to see again why the Sabbath is transformed because, and I put this in your outline as well, those two passages of Scripture there on the third page in Romans 14 and Colossians chapter 2, I'm not going to read them, but I put those in there for you to realize the heart of what Paul is saying. Because in, actually I do, I should go ahead and read at least Colossians chapter 2 for us. It says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What Paul is saying there is he's not throwing out the Sabbath. He's not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. What he's wanting the, us to see in that Colossians passage and as well as in Romans, he doesn't want the Sabbath to be a straitjacket anymore. That's what he's saying here, right? He wants us to see the heart, right, of why and, and why we are called to honor the Sabbath day, which means... We have to be careful when we see others working on the Sabbath, right? That's a clear example. Some people are going to work on Sundays. Look at me. Look at Grant, right? It's a part of our job to be here, and that's okay, right? You can see other occupations as well that do that. But what we are seeing, when again, when I go back to the word that Jesus transformed the Sabbath, again, it's a matter of the heart, right? We probably know many occupations that have to work on Sunday, but is that person taking a day of rest for the Lord, right? You know, even here at Capitol, right, I take off Friday, right? Grant takes off Monday, right? And we try not to bother each other at all on those days so that we have the opportunity to rest, right? That's what we see here. And that's the same thing we need to see in that Romans passage and the Colossians because there are going to be times when we work on Sunday, it's just a clear fact. But we have to understand more than anything. It's a matter of the heart, which is D here. Jesus is our rest. It's the last point there. Jesus is our rest. And again, probably the most important passage within Hebrews for us to understand this point, as I put in your outline. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work, as God did from his. That quote there from Martin Luther is actually expounding on the Hebrews passage. I'm going to read it for you. I don't think I could say it any better. The spiritual rest which God especially intends in this commandment is that we not only cease from our labor and trade, but much more, that we let God alone work in us, and that in all our powers we do nothing of our own. We do nothing of our own. Which leads us to this. I'll give you a couple of points of application, and then we'll open up for question and answer like we do. A little Q&A time. Number one, I think as we are studying the Sabbath day and the fourth commandment, we need to, the first one there is prepare for the Lord's day. Prepare for the Lord's day. Sunday is the Lord's day. It is a day where God has commanded us to worship him. That's why it's set apart. It's a day set apart where we come and worship our Lord. That's what the Sabbath is for us on this side of the cross, right? And that's what we have to understand as the people of God. Sunday is set apart for the community to come together and to be able to worship, to be able to see one another, to be able to partake in the Lord's table, to be able to pray for one another, to be able to tithe, to be able to serve the church in the many capacities that we have, right? That's all as a form of worship. And so if Sunday is to be set apart, we should prepare for it. We should be thinking on Saturdays, right? Tomorrow is the Lord's day. Because it's a day set apart because it's blessed and holy, right? So, so that we can worship, so that we can sing songs of praise and those other examples I said, because it is the Lord's day. So we prepare for it, right? Which is very much um, something that is hard for us to do on the weekends. I get it, right? Sometimes it's hard for us on Saturdays as a family, right? If I'm just being honest with you, to be able to think about what we need to do on Saturday night. But the reality is we need to prepare for the Lord's Day. There's a great book I read many years ago, actually the recommendation of Jim Briggs, of how we are called to prepare to listen for God's Word. Remember that book, Jim? And the writer, basically the main, the thesis of the book is for us to learn how to sit underneath the preaching of God's Word. And there's a whole chapter on there to prepare to listen to the Word of God, Right? to prepare to listen to it, i.e. to listen to Grant's sermon. Which, listen, guys, I am prepping you to listen to Grant's sermon. So I want all y'all next Sunday to sit there on the edge of your seat, and he's going to be able to call out and say, man, Jeff was really on it. You know what I mean? Like, just sitting there eager to listen. But the reality is this. We're called to prepare for it. And the author of that book is saying that we need to do things in our lives so that we can make sure that there are no distractions as we listen to the Word of God. We're preparing to listen to it. Which leads us to number two. We are to worship on the Lord's Day. To worship on the Lord's Day. Grant has been talking the last couple of weeks uh, to worship in spirit and in truth, right? And I'm not going to dig, do, dig too deep into that because he's done just such a great job of helping us to understand in, in John chapter 4. But we have to see that there is a way that we are called to worship, isn't there? Right? And I love how Grant's been expositing that over the last couple of weeks for us to see that there is right worship. But we also have to see, as Grant has been teaching us over the last couple of weeks, and even here in Exodus chapter 20, there is an importance of worship, isn't there? Right? 
when we gather together, like I said earlier about preparing for the Lord's Day, there is something special about meeting together in person, isn't there? You know, if COVID <clears throat> robbed us of one thing and robbed us of many things, but it's to see the importance of the gathered community of the saints, right? To be able to see one another, talk to one another, pray to one another, right? I can remember for weeks and weeks and weeks as Grant and I and others were coming here for worship in the morning when we had to lock down, just four people in here, three people in here, right? And as good looking as I am, Grant was tired of probably looking at me, right? And so, but in all seriousness, there is something special about the corporate body of Christ coming together and worshiping. The worship in the one true God, which leads us to number three. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Like the hymn says, to God be the glory for great things he has done. What has he done? This calls us to go back to the word remember. On this side of the cross, we remember all because of Christ and through Christ alone. He has delivered us from the dominion or darkness from our sin. From the wrath of God was satisfied. Right? All because of the gospel. Like the hymn says, in Christ alone. So we give God all the glory. And when we are giving him the glory, we are resting in Christ. Like I said in that Hebrews chapter 4 passage. And then number four, keeping the Lord's day requires faith. Requires faith. Keeping the Lord's day requires faith. When we decide to work, we're not taking a day to give to the Lord. It's showing our lack of faith. And God, that he's not going to work in us and for us. And it goes back to that Martin Luther passage, right? To be able to take, think about those business owners, right? To be able to not to close one day, there is a consequence on it, right? Not to work on that Sabbath day. And there is very much a consequence when we don't, when, when we are not working on that day, we are truly trusting in the Lord to continue to provide and work for us. And again, no matter what your occupation is, when we do rest, when we do come and worship, we know things will, will be taken care of because we are trying to worship our Lord. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, information, and events, check out our website at capitalcommunitychurch.com.